Today on the show, we're talking about how I consume books. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney, I'm your host, and I'm joined with my co-host Trevor for an episode dedicated to talking about how we consume books. And I think this is an important topic. I mean, I use the word consume books because the act of reading doesn't necessarily mean you're consuming information. So I, I use the word consume because to me, that's being very deliberate. When, you, when you're selecting a book or, you know, curating a library, you, you do it with the intentions of consuming that information. So it's, I think that's a, a very important point to make that you, I used to just read books and I really just, and when you consume a book, I mean, you're, you're highlighting, you're underlining, you're circling, you're making notes in the margin. That's the consumption of a book. When you're just reading a book, I mean, there's nothing wrong with reading a book, but it, you don't think that it's the same as consuming a book. So we actually did a mini episode on how we consume books. It's actually just Trevor who talked about this and it was a really well-received episode. So, and again, this episode was, it was recorded way before episode 100. We're at episode 170 right now. So we thought it was the a perfect time to re-evaluate this topic and, and kind of retouch on it and hopefully reinvigorate uh, our love and consumption for books. So a perfect place to start is why books are important. Yeah. And I think you have to look at books as a, they, they have to be a part of your life. And I, so when I talk about consuming books, if I see, people will say, I don't have time to read, you know, I, I, got, I got so much going on. And I agree, if, if all of our lives are full. So I, I want to start with consuming books is something you have to make time for, not find time for. And that, that is being deliberate. And when I say make time for books, you need to stop doing something you're currently doing and start consuming books. And you it just, okay, we all have streaming services, television. That's the easy one. Pull that out. I mean, you if you've ever been in a, a YouTube rabbit hole, <laughs> take that app off your phone. You You can, everyone has time. And this is the other thing about books is, People tend to want to find this, you know, one hour blocks of time to read a book. Well, if, if you can, great, but don't make that the reason you're not consuming books. If you consume books in 10 or 15 minute increments once a day, you will be astonished by the amount of books you can consume in a year. So don't think of it, of, I, I don't have time because I don't have this hour blocked off for reading. If you have a, fa- a young family, that hour is never going to show up. Consume books in 10, 15, 20 minute increments and you, you, your mind will be blown of how, my, how many books you can consume in a year. So that kind of leads me to my next question. I mean, are, are you convinced that everyone could enjoy and benefit from reading? I mean, there are, I've definitely met individuals who aren't passionate about reading, don't really find interest in reading. Is this something that, a skill that you can just acquire and learn to love? You know, it's funny. We, we all, when we're in school, that is the primary way information is jammed into our heads, right? It's through reading. That is the, the, the first thing you learn in school. And 
when you study for a test, it's all, it, it's the consumption of books, right? That, that is how you do it. So we, if you've graduated from high school, you have all the skills required to read. What you are lacking is the motivation to read. And that is, I'm going to say it looks hard. It looks like effort to a lot of people. And that's, it, it, it doesn't have to be. It, when you sit down and you start reading, if I, if I were to just pick up a book and start reading, uh, the first paragraph, it, it, it doesn't come, it, it doesn't just flow. You have to go into what I call a trance, a reading trance. And it takes one or two paragraphs. And next thing you know, you're, you're, you're zoned in, you're, you're oblivious to your surroundings and you're just reading that book. So, but when you turn, when you sit down and watch Netflix, you don't have to go through that, that transition, right? It, it just information coming at you and anybody, oh, here's, this is the telltale of how powerful reading is. I, I read a Stephen King novel and I've read a couple and I, I don't like scary movies at all. In fact, I'm terrified of that. like scary movies. I, I will not watch them. If I, someone tells me you should watch Saw 2, <laughs> I'm out, man. I'm not watching it. Like, but I've accidentally read a couple of Stephen King novels and I, to this day, cannot erase the images that novel burned into my brain that are so disturbing to this day. So reading is such a powerful media. Like it is, it connects with you at another level. So you have the skills to read. You just need the motivation. And when you say motivation, we are going to go on in the show to talk about different types of literature. Could that simply be that you they, that an individual hasn't connected with the, the right author or the right type of literature that really resonates with them? I, I don't agree with that at all. I, I think you can read... If a book has been published, it has been edited, and an editor makes a book very readable. That's what that's their job. So, if a publisher has gone through the the energy to and, and the expense to publish a book, print it, and and ship it to bookstores, you can be sure it's very readable. There, there is a lot of a lot of energy that went into that book, and and the author has, you know, they give up a lot of. Uh, of the creative rights when they when they sort of give their book over to a publisher the the editing is like I, i've never read a book that i consider unreadable like here's one the game of thrones that, that those books are huge those books are uh, a very complex topic with, with just countless characters but very readable like the, it is readable but if an individual is not is a self-proclaimed individual who who doesn't appreciate reading, doesn't like reading, is the, are you, you're saying are you saying that that person that that individual um, should be able to pick up any book then and and be able to embrace the content within its pages, or that it's that the individual just kind of hasn't found an author or a genre that they that they can appreciate. I'm so I'm a fan of starting with a okay. So if I'm going to recommend somebody who's just they call themselves a non-reader, then go to the uh, chapters bookstore and go to the bestsellers section and grab the number one or number two, the one of the first three books. I I, I think it, at the end of the day, they're they're those novels will be super entertaining. I. I guarantee you, it didn't get on the bestseller by accident. You, 
you just, it's not like it's you, it's not like you haven't found something you like. It's the effort that the perceived effort of actually the act of reading, which is getting in the way of most people consuming books. I like that, that, that it all really does boil down to the effort. So let's, I want to dive into now talking about why books are so important. And uh, just before we do that, we do have a awesome ongoing, always building book list on our website as well. And I think that's why this episode is important as well, just because there are a lot of personal finance book resources out there. And we have uh, a Trevor comprised list of books that he's read and and, and you highly recommend Trevor. I I know you speak highly of a lot of the books that we have featured on here and not all of them are about money. Some of them are more behavioral based as well, but they are, it's a great resources list if you are looking for a new read. So with with this list, why books are important to lead us into this episode, um, the first reason why books are important is that they ha- it's a timeless format of knowledge. Books have been around, I, I don't know when the Gutenberg press was invented. It, it's, it's, it goes back to ancient, or not ancient times, but very, very back, way back in time. Book, books have stood the test of time in terms of a, a viable source of knowledge. They, they have not... In all these years, with all the advances in technology, books still exist. In fact, when the Kindle came out, the e-reader Kindle, everyone predicted this is the death of books. Well, if you've ever been into a Chapters bookstore on a, on a Saturday, that place is packed. If, you, if I go to my local library on a Saturday, it is, you're hard-pressed to find a seat. So the, the, books are not going anywhere anytime soon. So books have stood the test of time and they're not going so it, it is a trusted timeless format of knowledge without question it is really funny that you say that because they're regardless of who you are i think everyone has heard the 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 kind of just a conversation about the fact that whether it's a, a university library of, of books or even like you mentioned a, a chapters or whatever any 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 even small um, local independently owned bookstores they're still thriving when meanwhile the newspaper industry there are there's definitely a, been a decrease in printed newspapers and more of a consumption of of uh, newspaper consumption on your phone so it, to your point Trevor it is kind of amazing that that's one industry that is is still thriving now I have a Kindle, so I'm not anti e-reader, and we're going to get into why that 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 device is is meaningful in my reading process. But I do get when I'm reading on a Kindle, there is a limit. There's a limitation. There, there's something about the the tactileness of a book that that makes you feel like you're in control of the reading process. Whereas an e-reader, I kind of feel I'm I'm not completely all in on this thing it's 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 there's something about a book that that's never gonna change the reading process no i i agree with that i i like that that delineation between the two so the next reason why books are important is that it is they are a tested formula so when you get a book and like i'm gonna say a self-improvement book or an here here's one i'm gonna use so i've read the book the simple path to wealth and it's kind of framed around uh, investing in index funds like S&P 500 or the Dow Jones or the TSE. It, 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 it kind of, the whole book is selling the concept of why you should invest in index funds rather than individual stocks or other types of investment. And 
that book is written by somebody who is, you know, he's got, he's, I'm going to say, I'll call him a senior citizen. He, he's an older gentleman, but he, he started the process when he was younger. So the book is attested for me. This is a guy who, who did this. He described the environment in which he started index investing, and he's describing the environment uh, later in his life, you know, the, how it, the economy's changed, but the, the value of index investing hasn't. But the point is that it's a tested formula. It, it, it worked for this guy, and he describes other people it's worked for. If, if you ever bought a diet book, it, it's worked for somebody. So it's a tested formula. It's something somebody has done with success. Again, it's a published book. The publisher, I mean, they're first and foremost, the publisher wants to think they can make money off it. Uh, but they, they, they don't want a scandal. They don't want you putting out some, some author publishing a, a smoke and mirror show that would tarnish their brand. So I'm saying if you buy a book, the information it has been tested at some level. It's not, and I'm not knocking YouTube, but if you were to watch a YouTube channel and some guy was giving you the solution to a problem, the only thing you have is the reviews. The people that watch this video and maybe they tried it and it worked for them, it didn't work for them. So maybe you got 100 or 200 reviews to read through. I, I'm saying a book is a tested formula to a solution to a problem you might have. The third reason why books are important is that they're it's a cost-effective knowledge. And if you think of the cost of a book, so a self-improvement book or an investing book or uh, any book that's going to help you hone some skills, the cost of a book is like, I mean, even if it costs $30, just say it costs $30, it, it just say it was a book on investing, it costs $30, and you made tens of thousands of dollars on investing. I mean, the return on investment is huge. Or, or just say you you bought a book on on uh, weight training or, or some sort of health improvement. I mean, compared to paying a, a personal trainer, uh, from a cost-effective standpoint, a book is a deal. There There is so much value in... I've never bought a book that costs more than thirty dollars. I, 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 nothing's sticking in my mind. So, for, so for the for that the price of thirty dollars, you're getting a ton of information. So, just the cost benefit is is I don't think there's a better deal out there. The fourth way, oh, and the fourth fourth reason why books are important is that they are it's they're a piece of of literature that can be consumed at your own schedule. And so you, like I mentioned, you could read for 10 minutes a day. You could read for an hour on the weekend. The point is the book is, is there to be consumed when you, when you want it. It's not like you have to go to a class that's being held at a certain time at a certain place. And the instructor's only there for an hour and consuming information that way is good. I mean, I'm not against it, but if you, if you're consuming a book, it's at your own convenience. So it's a very convenient form of knowledge. Lastly, the four, fifth reason why books are important is that it creates a sense of community. And okay, there's a website I'm a bit I'm a big fan of. It's called Goodreads, and this is a great. Okay, if you can get to a book club where you live and physically meet with people who have read the same book and talk about their takeaways from it and your takeaways from it you'll actually gain more insight about the thing you read. You, maybe there's something that you didn't really think much of and then somebody else read it and they, they got a different spin on it and all of a sudden you you hear what they took out of that particular chapter and you go, wow, I didn't really see that. And 
all of a sudden you're going back and rereading that chapter with a whole different perspective. Uh, Goodreads is a is an online book community, and you can type in the title of any book, and people will tell you their thoughts on it in great detail. Uh, it's a good good resource. But if you bet, all the better if you can find a book club where you live. Uh, those things are so powerful. And uh, uh, better yet, if you can't find one, start one. Just start one with your own family. I mean, if, if you have uh, grown children, I mean, they would probably enjoy consuming the same literature you are. Or, uh, you you might convince them to start a, a book club amongst yourselves. And I, this last point is one that really resonates with me. I mean, anyone who's, I, I even took, um, I took uh, English class when I was in university and it was on more darker themes. And I'm not that Frankenstein is a dark theme, but we read a book, read that book. And I, I was a kind of a little hesitant because it does, it is a little bit of a darker theme, but the way that we processed the information within that book, we did the, the conversations that came out of that book and the little nuances at such a high, um, such a high level was nothing that I could have ever pulled away by myself. And I, that, oh, that experience alone was so, so incredibly moving. And so even just, I mean, attending a one book club or even just going into Goodreads, just a few handfuls of times, I'm sure will open your mind up to just, can, just looking at literature or looking at information in a different way. And also a book club keeps you accountable. It keeps you on pace for reading the book. If you if you know you're meeting uh, with a book club and they plan to be done chapter seven and talk about the book up to chapter seven, then you're you kind of have a, a bit of a urgency to get reading, right? It's so it's, it's a good accountability partner to not falling off the wagon of reading. Yes, that's such a true point. So that's why the why books are important and uh, the next kind of key piece to talk about is types of literature that we can consume so trevor's broken that down into three main types of literature the first being fiction so a lot of people downplay the importance of fiction and i think fiction is a very important consumption of literature i mean this one anything that's artistic a lot of people don't see the value in it but Fiction literature, if it does nothing else, it it puts books in your hand because they're entertaining, and just just to get you, if if that's what gets you into the act of reading is consuming a fiction book, then that is going to bleed over into other aspects, uh, other literature, and you'll just always want to have a book in your hand. So it, I suggest you start with fiction, and you know, in every fiction story, other than Stephen King, which is very <laughs> disturbing, there tends to be an uh, quite often an underlying message like you mentioned the frankenstein book there there was a uh, a moral to this book right like a- every book has a moral a fiction story tends to uh even harry potter there was a a moral like there there was something to that story that you could take away and and sort of at 5,000 feet, apply it to life, maybe? I, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I do agree with you. I, I, I had a conversation with a couple of friends just a few weeks ago about about how unimportant it appeared reading fiction was. But I think that just the process of exercising that creative part of your brain and, and imagining yourself, putting yourself in, you definitely paint a picture of the book that you're reading. So I think that ability, when it, it, it exercises some kind of important muscle in your brain. Well, if anybody's ever studied, you know, the left brain, right brain, 
So that left brain, I, I think it's the left brain that is the creative side. Uh, that's the part that gets lit up with fiction. I mean, that that's the part of the brain that we use the, actually, I, I can't remember what side it is, <laughs> but the, the creative side of your brain in our day-to-day lives really does not get a whole lot of activity. So this reading fiction really lights up that part of the brain. And I, I, I think fiction is, is something that everyone should, okay, so I have at any given moment in time, I have a fiction and a nonfiction book on the go. I, I never just have a one or the other. And I, I, I just read them at different times of the day uh, I just, I, I need to have a fiction book going. I have about seven or eight favorite fiction authors. And as they release their books every year, I, I faithfully read them. And I'm a big fan of fiction. And just as a side note, quick Google search, uh, the right side of the brain is in charge of the creativity, left is the logic side. So the other key one that we think of next when we think of types of literature is self-improvement books. So I hate the term self-help, and this is quite often what they're called, but it would suggest we need help, right? But I like to think of self-improvement as we're trying to become better people. And self-improvement books, they tend to, you, they, they are the books that tend to be the motivation. This is the, the, the thing that's going to get you moving in the right direction. So self-improvement books are motivational and they should trigger you to want to pursue more knowledge on a particular topic. So if it's a good self-improvement book, it's full of motivation and it's pointing you in a direction and you're, you're going to have to do more research with that motivation. Which leads us to the third type of literature, which is nonfiction. And this is where if you got a really good self-improvement book that really resonated with you and really convinced you that you need to do something different then then you need to find books on on the on the subject to become more knowledgeable and here's an example so i so there's a book by dave ramsey called the total money makeover and this is a book about getting out of debt and learning how to save money so that is a motivational book that book is is meant to convince somebody that a life of debt is no good uh, it, it's it only leads to bad things and this is a and this is a book that you would read and it's got steps and everything that's you know a self-improvement book has these steps to follow it's it is usually a formula and it's broken into weeks or something some sort of time frame so you would read a self-improvement book that motivates you to do the right things and then you would go and buy the book, The Simple Path to Wealth. And that book is the how, you know, it's the knowledge. So now that you've saved this money, you want to build wealth. And here's here's a way to build wealth. The, the Simple Path to Wealth is not a motivational book at all. It's not going to motivate you to do the right thing. It's it's information. It's, it's telling you what to do. But if you don't even think... If, if, you, if you still think credit cards are a good solution, then reading The Simple Path to Wealth is a waste of time because you don't have any money to invest unless you're going to use your credit cards to buy index funds. It, it's a useless information. So you have to consume the self-improvement first and then seek out the knowledge to become an expert. So of those three types of literature, which one do you gravitate towards most? All three. I, I consume all three. So... I'm, 
you know, okay, I, I don't tend to need the motivation near as much. Uh, I, I'm kind of, I, I'm pretty self-motivated person. I like to think I am. But every once in a while, I recently um, got, read a book on resistance training. And it was a knowledge-based book. And I, I didn't really act on it. And I realized I missed the step. I, I need to find a book that motivates me onto why resistance training is a good idea. And so I'm searching for that book right now. Actually, if any of the listeners know of a motivational book for resistance training, like that'd be like weight training, I'm interested. So I consume the knowledge on resistance training and, you know, the how-to and, you know, different uh, routines and stuff. And it was good information, but I didn't act on it and because I, I missed the reason why this is important. So, and actually, if you if you just consume the knowledge book, sometimes it'll seem like, Wow, that's a lot of work. <laughs> I don't even know if I want to do that. If you if you consume the knowledge before the motivation, so it's important. So always be reading a fiction book. I just think it's a good idea. Lights up the right the right side of the brain. Uh, read books that motivate you. Often in the self improvement section of a bookstore. Once you're motivated, find some book to gain more knowledge on the subject. I love that. So the next kind of key piece we need to talk about is the selection process. So we talked about earlier in the show, if, if you're not a reader, I mean, how do you go about finding that book? But maybe for a more refined reader, someone who is passionate reading like you, Trevor, I, I want to walk through your selection process. So you've kind of broken down to four key pieces here. So with number one being fiction is important. And I say fiction is important, and this kind of sounds, you might think it's redundant from what I just said in the previous section, but fiction is important in that you can find fiction books that kind of relate, like look for a fiction book that simulates your, uh, I'm going to say where you are in life. So don't read uh, a book about teenagers when you're 50 years old. Like read a book that, that the, the if okay, so I, I read a book books that the, the, the character is either I'm gonna say five years younger than me or five years older than me, the main character, and I tend to enjoy those books. So fiction's important, it it can build I'm gonna say self esteem if you kind of choose the fiction as it it kind of relates to where you are in life. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely, because even from there. If we're talking about selection process in particular, that could almost be a launching pad to a a self improvement book you pick up next. Pretend, like if you if you keep reading books, like I'm going to say young adult books, like that that the the main character is a teenager. Uh, worst case scenario is you're going to be depressed that you're not a teenager anymore because they're having a ton of fun in this story, right? So that, that's that's not I I don't think motive like that doesn't inspire me to to do anything or or uh i just think it's it's not constructive to to read stories i could be wrong maybe for me that it doesn't really it doesn't help me it doesn't do anything for me so i i need to read a book a fiction book that kind of the character i can i can relate to so you you kind of have to evolve as you grow older your, your book selection should evolve no i agree with that 
So, so that's kind of one area that you personally take on when it comes to selecting a new book. And another type of another thing that you take into consideration here on this list that you've 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 outlined as important is selecting a book that challenges your beliefs. And this is really important. So, I mentioned uh, the Simple Path to Wealth is an index investing book, and so if you just keep reading books on index investing, then they're just going to reconfirm what you already think. But what I, I read actually a book on real estate investing. So you should read something that challenges your current beliefs and then read that and say, you know what? I still don't like the idea of real estate investing. I'm going to stay with index investing, but be willing to read something that you know, you don't believe in like that. That is called challenging your beliefs. You're reading something that you don't believe in. For instance, I'm a vegan. I read about the Atkins diet or these carnivore diets. I read about I, I read a book on that, and it, I I wanted to read something that challenges my current beliefs. That I think that makes you a better person, a well more well rounded person. When someone says, "Why are you a vegan?" Well, if all I read is books about being a vegan, I kind of got a slanted view on why I'm a vegan. If I read books about uh, a carnivore diet, I could say, "Well." I understand the benefits of a carnivore diet, and I now I also understand the benefits of a vegan diet. See, you, you your knowledge base just grew exponentially by reading something that challenges your current beliefs. The third thing that you take into consideration when you're selecting a new book is really identifying if a book is geared more towards self-improvement over self-help. And I say this in that you, we tend to always want to fix what's broken, right? Like, what are we not good at? So let's read a book on that. But why don't we choose books that enhance something we're already good at? Why not take something you already do well and take it to another level? That is self-improvement. Self-help is is taking something that's currently broken and trying to fix it. And there's nothing wrong with that. That, that That's okay. And most people do that, right? Uh, if you, one of the, apparently one of the most popular uh, sections in a bookstore is weight loss. That is the runaway of the the mega money maker books of all books is weight loss, and that's people trying to fix something that's broken. Well, that and so I, I agree, you should right. If, if weight loss is something, I mean, your health. There's nothing more important than your health. But why not? Why not enhance something that you already do well? Like take it to the next level. And I think that is is worth doing. That is powerful. So if 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 the idea of reading about you know just say you're you're struggling with weight and the idea of reading a book about weight problems is kind of demoralizing and you've tried a bunch of them and none of them resonate with you so reading one more kind of puts you off just the idea of reading why not read something on i don't know if you're into knitting read it read a book that takes knitting to another level i mean be be like a the knitter's olympics i mean be be like a knitter of all knitter like you knit the most complex sweater ever made like take something and that that confidence boost will will help you actually with your weight loss when you go back to the you know trying another weight loss book you're gonna you're gonna see what that that how you improved one of your strengths then that's gonna build give you confidence to improve one of your weaknesses i love that so much Lastly on this list of things to consider when selecting a new book is to read the reviews. And this here is powerful. And I, I mentioned Goodreads is a great place to read. Goodreads used to be this independent website. So what I would do way back in the day 
is I would read the Amazon reviews and I would read the Goodread reviews and sort of, you know, correlate them and see if there's a pattern. Well, then Amazon bought Goodreads and <laughs> that kind of threw that out the window. So now it's the same. But what I like to read is the one-star reviews. Those are the ones I love to read. And I say, okay, I'll read the one-star reviews and and see if I'm okay with the the downside of this book. There's, I find no reading five-star reviews on anything is a waste of time. I don't care what you're buying. Five-star reviews, that's just people wanting to feel good about their purchase. That, that 90% of five-star reviews is just people not wanting to regret what they bought. So the one-star reviews, you have to sift through them. There's some cynical people. Actually, you know, the best reviews are the two-star. Those are the ones that I, I find, but there's, there tends to not be a lot of two-star reviews, right? There's, there's a ton of five-star and a ton of one-star but read the one-star reviews and see if you're okay with what this person didn't get out of the book. Just say um, you bought a book on a, a how-to book rather than a self-help book. And the person read it and he said, you know, there's, there's nothing motivating me in this book. Well, th- that's okay. That I didn't buy it for motivation. Or if you read a, a motivational book and the person's review is there was no how-tos, like, you know, th- there was no takeaways on how to accomplish this. Well, this is a person not understanding the difference between motivational books and knowledge books. So I'm okay with that. So those are those are the kind of reviews I'm looking for where they love the book, except, you know, there was no how-tos. You know, that is a... So read the reviews. They're powerful. Um, better yet, if you can get a book that you somebody you know read and you kind of respect them, then if they read it and they got something out of it, then you should want to read that book. So I, I actually, if you, anybody I follow, so here's a guy I really uh, idolize is Mr. Money Mustache. And he has a book list on his website. And I plan to read every book he's read because I, I really believe in, in him and in, in what he stands for. So if you, if there's some person or personality or somebody you, you think highly of, look at their reading list and, and read and read what they read. I mean, the chances are it's going to resonate with you. And when it comes to looking outward for deciding what book to read next, what is your thoughts and perspectives on reading books that are hitting the top, uh, top recommended read list for whatever platform you choose to uh, choose, look at books on? Well, I think there's something to be said. I mean, if if a book is in the bestseller list, and if it says it's in the top five, I mean, you don't get there by accident. You don't get there by people buying it and saying, ah, it was okay. And then like, here's a book I it's it's I really enjoyed. It was called The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. And it, it's been in the bestseller for like for a long time. And I've, I've read that book twice. No, actually, no, three times. And I just love the way he writes. That that book is, it's informative, it's entertaining, and it's inspirational. I mean, that checks all the boxes. In fact, every book you read, if it checked those boxes, that is a book you're probably going to reread. Can you say that but again? I, inspirational? It, it's entertaining, it's informative, and it's inspirational. You have those three boxes checked on any book, and that is a home run. That is a book... You should recommend to everybody you know. And th- that book checked all the boxes. Actually, he wrote a second book. It was called Everything's Aft, A Book About Hope. I read that book. It was more entertaining, more informative, and even more inspirational than the first book. So I, I'm at this point, if, if he's publishing it, Mark Manson, I'm reading it because I, I, just, I just resonate with, 
with what he writes. The entertaining thing is so important. You, a lot of these um, nonfiction books can be really dry. So when you find one that's not, oh, it's it's almost like reading a fiction book. I I I really like that 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 makes that makes book selection process make sense and and also the reason behind reading it as well. I love that. So the last section, the last thing we want to touch on today is how we actually physically, literally consume books. And there are four different ways that Trevor's outlined that he consumes books. But my first overarching question for you, being that we are a personal finance podcast and that you are, Trevor, an advocate of frugality, how how often do you percentage-wise maybe reach for whether it's kind of a library resource versus buying new. And I guess buying used as well can also fit in there. I tend to... So here's my problem with a used book or a library book or a book that comes cheap, is you tend to... Any book that I've borrowed from the library or I bought like for 99 cents at a used bookstore, I, 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 tend, I find I'm less invested in that, in that book. I, I tend to... Uh, I might give up on it too quickly if if if, if I hit a, a dry point in a, in a book. So I, I like I actually prefer shelling out money for a book. Now I will check my library first and foremost. I mean if it's if it's at the library, uh, chances are I'm going to check it out and and consume it that way. But if we get into how I consume books, there's actually a, a very specific process I go through. So let's go through that. So the first way, the first primary way you consume books is not through the physical book, but actually through an audio book. And I love consuming a book through audio. If you listen to this podcast, you clearly like the consumption of audio. The only knock on audio, and I, I believe this to be true, is you don't get the retention. So you don't retain the information at near the level had you read it. So audio is, for me, it's, it gives me a really high overview of of the the context of the book. What it, what what what? It's almost like a preview of what I'm going to read. And the thing with an audiobook is you can consume it while you're doing things, right? And I, again, I'm not consuming this audiobook for retention. I'm consuming this audiobook for an overview of of. So when I'm reading it, I know what's coming, and I know the parts that. I think are going to be really important. I, I get the gist of what, what this book is about. So, and it sounds like a waste of time, but it really isn't for me. It's important in a nonfiction book, a self-improvement or a knowledge-based book to really get a grasp of what this book is going to deliver. And I love, and that we are not sponsored by Audible, but I love Audible. It has every book that it seems like ever been written. They have an audio format of it. Now it's like, it, I think it's around 15 bucks a month and you, they get you one book a month. So it's not cheap by any stretch. You can also get audiobooks from your library, but there tends to be long waiting lists for the popular ones. And I haven't had a, a great deal of success with, with that. But anyway, I, I consume the book first. Almost every book I've ever read, I, uh, nonfiction, either self-improvement or knowledge-based book, I have consumed it first in audio. And it, it just gives me that 5,000 foot view of what this, this is going to entail. So the second way that you consume books is through eBooks. So I, I mentioned I have a Kindle again, this isn't sponsored by Amazon, but the, there's this magical thing with um, Kindle and Audible 
is it's called WhisperSync, and I'm just going to describe how it works. So if you are, so I think I retain information better by reading it. So just say I'm, I'm in this uh, 5,000 foot view of consuming a book, but you know, if I have time, I'm going to read it rather than listen to it. So just say I'm sitting, drinking my coffee before I go to work and I'm, I read half a chapter of a, of a book on my Kindle and I'm about to drive to work. Well, I can get in my car, connect my phone to Bluetooth and open my Audible app and the book will start playing the audio right where I left off reading, like, like magic, like exactly where I left off reading. The very next word was the one I was going to read, but now it's being, it's re- being read to me by a narrator while I drive. And let's just say I get to work and uh, it's lunchtime and I, I, I pull up my phone. So my Kindle's at home. I pull up my phone. I open my Kindle app on my phone and I want to, you know, continue reading that book. Well, the, it's going to start right where I left off listening. The, I can start reading that book where I left off listening in my car. And then I get back in my car and I, I continue listening where I left off reading at lunchtime. And then I get home and I get my Kindle and I open it up and it syncs up and, and I continue reading on that right where I left off listening in my car. So you, you have this picture. It's a seamless transition. So it's, it's a great way to consume something, consume a book where you otherwise wouldn't, you know, utilizing that time driving, that commuting time, in consuming that information. So that's the second way I ebook, but I mentioned ebooks in that I feel I something about reading from a digital screen the retention is still not there. You can't okay, you can highlight things on a Kindle and you can make notes, but trying to find those notes and stuff it's it's not so easy. I I know I've read something when I've highlighted and made notes in the book. I mean, that's when I know I've consumed that information. And I find on an e-reader it's just not there. So, but but I'm re- as I read the e-reader, I think I'm getting more retention than when I'm listening. So, the the e-reader serves a purpose. It's really that is absolutely incredible the way that that technology all works together. And we'll leave the link for that in the show notes as well if that's something that you're interested in utilizing. The third way, and this is again this the this is the way, is a physical book. So if I liked the audiobook and I thought, you know, hey, there sounds like there's some value here, and I I I use the ebook, I read the book. Actually, if you buy the audiobook, you can t- you can get the ebook at a discount. So it's not like you're paying full price for that ebook. And it's a it it's it's there on your phone. It's with you all the time. It's something you can easily read. It's convenient. But the physical book becomes the reference tool I leave on my bookshelf or I loan to friends or family to read because I got a lot of value out of it. I make highlights and notes. I, I basically, I, I almost destroy the book the way I mark it up after I've read it. And it, you can share, you can loan it to people. You can't really do that with an ebook or an audio book. I, I don't think, you, maybe you can, I don't know how. So if I really, really got value out of the book, I will buy the physical book. Actually, you know what? If, if I really, so the, I'm a big fan of The Simple Path of Wealth. I bought one of those books for every member of my family. I got so much value out of that book. So I will buy the physical book over and over if I got value because I want everybody I know to get the same value out of it. But I will have the physical book because it's on my bookshelf and I do refer back to it. You know, I will go back to those books. It's it's not like it's just a, um, 
sort of a a prize on my shelf of, of my accomplishments. It actually becomes a reference tool. So the the so audiobook, ebook, and then finally the physical book. I mean, if the book really delivered, I will buy the physical book and I will read it from front to front cover to back cover. I will consume the whole thing as a physical book. So I. I, I want to go back to what you said. You mentioned bookshelf and that twigged my memory. There is one fourth and final way we're going to discuss about how we consume books. But before I ask, I get to that, I, a question for you. So I know, and maybe a bunch of people listening to this are victims of this too, but I know that I have a bad habit of accumulating and acquiring books that sit on my bookshelf. For you, Trevor, is that... Is that something that you find inspiring because you look at your bookshelf and there's maybe books that you could read? Is this something you do? Do you just kind of keep the, the books on hand that you're going to read? Do you donate or give them away after? What, what's kind of your bookshelf? What does your bookshelf look like? And when do you, what have you found to be the most effective way of consuming books from this standpoint? So that does not happen to me. And the reason it doesn't is because of this audiobook, ebook phenomenon. So my, the books that I buy through audio that I listen to and you say, you know what, that book really didn't it really isn't me or it's not going to really help me. That book never physically ends up on my bookshelf, right? So I, I, I will have, if I go through and listen to a whole audio book and I say that is a book I have to read, then and only then does it make my bookshelf. So you got to think how anxious I am to read that book. I just listened to the audio book. I got a great big overview of it. So as soon as I buy it, it gets read. And, and the books that don't resonate with me, I listen to the audiobook. It did not connect with me. It never ends up on my bookshelf. So I don't I don't have these books that I've taken a chance on. I have only books that I know have information I want. So it sounds like an audio the audiobook is really a great fantastic screening process to get to the physical book. Well, and if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you would enjoy consuming audio. Obviously, you find time to consume this. So you 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 have clearly you have Bluetooth earbuds or some sort of uh, listening device that makes it convenient to listen. So why not use the audiobook to get a primer of, of, of a book that you, you would love to read? You listen to it and then you, because I, I know a lot of people, like you're saying, their bookshelf is full of books they intend to read one day. But for me, I've listened to this thing at a very high level, I can't wait to read it. So I, when I finally buy it, I mean, I'm just chomping at the bit to read it because I, I just listened to the whole thing. I got this this very high level review of it and now I need to read it. I love that. No, and, and that's it's a great way to really get rid of the, the, with the thing that happens to me with, with my bookshelf. It gets out of control. One final thing. And I, I want to say one other thing. We, with books, um, particularly like nonfiction, self-improvement books, if you can get an audiobook where the author actually reads it, they they have so much passion in their voice when they're when they're narrating the audio audiobook. It is it it is just and it, that's not a condition of me getting an audiobook, but boy, when the author reads it, you really understand what they were thinking when they wrote it. Yeah, I know that's a really, really great point. One final question for you before we talk about the fourth way that we can consume books is what is your standpoint on having more than one book on the go? I mean, it's it's one thing to be listening to multiple podcasts, but what about multiple books? 
So you should, I, I think you should have a fiction book and a nonfiction book always on the go. You, you should have those two things happening in your life all the time because there's like, you don't want to be consuming a nonfiction book just before you go to sleep. I, I, I've tried that. Your mind starts racing. Like if it's a good one, your mind is just, you know, trying to pigeonhole all this information so you don't forget it. Nighttime reading for me, that is like before bed, that's fiction. That, that's a story. And I, other than Stephen King, <laughs> but I, I, I uh, so I, I'm a big fan of having two books, but having multiple nonfiction or fiction, I think it, multiple fiction books on the go at the same time, I think I would intertwine the stories and lose track of characters. I, I couldn't imagine how that would work. And having multiple fiction, nonfiction books on the go, I think would be challenging too. I mean, you're, you're trying to remember where you were in a, in, in a book and, 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 I just think, for me, it wouldn't work. But the only thing I would have, I always have a fiction and nonfiction book on the go all the time. So lastly, I, I, I want to touch on the last way they consume books. And this is a little bit, a little bit different than all the other ways. But when you really enjoy a book, you connect with the author. And today with the internet, it's so easy to connect with the author. Back in the day, you had to, wait for the an author to do like a book signing event or something like that. But now if you read a book that you really got a lot of value from, chances are this author has a YouTube channel, a website or a podcast, and you can connect with this person, this author at a whole other level. Like if, if you buy into their philosophy, they've probably got a lot more to share with you other than books. I mean, any author, most authors I, I listen to. So Sam Harris is an author. I, uh, I've read his book, Waking Up. He has a podcast. You can find him on countless YouTube videos. He is just a very thought-provoking person. I, I got his book because, I'm going to just side tangent here, is I have been a skeptic about meditation uh, for a long time. And so this is me reading something to challenge one of my beliefs. I, I've been a skeptic saying, you know, I really don't see the value in meditation. But I am reading a lot on meditation right now, a lot, because I am challenging that belief. So that's a, um, I think there's, I, I question the value that it, can, it delivers, but the more I read about it, the more I am getting inspired. And I, I'm still in the inspiring stage. So I'm reading books that are going to inspire me to, be, to pursue meditation. And then I'm going to read books on how to, you know, it sounds like you just, you know, count your breaths or whatever it sounds easy but it's it's not <laughs> so i i that's a that's a belief i'm challenging and i'm pursuing right now so meditation is is an example so but i mentioned sam harris is in his first book was was basically on that and uh i i've connected with him and he has a very thought-provoking podcast and i've seen him like i say on countless youtube videos so I, i'm very fascinated by him and i, I read I, i've read one of his books i'm gonna read another one of his books so that's an example of, of following an author in, in, in various forms of media. I love that. And it, it's a great way to keep that experience going long after you finish reading their book and listening to the audiobook as well. So Trevor, that does bring us to the end of today's show on how I consume books. We started the conversation today talking about why books are so important. We talked about types of literature, your personal selection process, um, and finished with talking about how you personally consume books in their physical way. 
On that note, that does bring us to the end of today's show. I know I'm feeling inspired to pick up a book and read right after this, and uh, maybe it did the same for you as well. The things that we talked about today will be in the show notes, uh, the books we talked about, the resources we talked about as well. And again, if, if you are looking for some new material to pick up, we always have our book list available at livelifesimple.ca. Thank you again for being here with us today, and we can't wait to have you back with us next week for a brand new show. Until then, keep it simple.